So who am I? Uh, my name is Seth Bradley. I have a podcast, Passive Income Attorney Podcast. Um, I'm principal at Law Capital Partners. Um, we closed on, let's see, over $100 million worth of property last year, um, 12 syndicated deals, two more slipped into this year. So really about 14 deals um, in a rather slow year. So, you know, we, we've done pretty well. Um, I'm a former big law firm attorney. I worked at DLA Piper most recently. Um, at one point, I don't know what it is now, but I, I think it was the third largest law firm in the world. So I had experience as a real estate securities attorney. That's my background. And now I've kind of made my way over to the full-time real estate investor. So these are kind of the different parts of the PPM. Uh, we'll go through them uh, pretty quickly here. We're going to keep this pretty short. Um, if you guys have ever looked at a PPM, it looks fairly ridiculous. You know, it, with the operating agreement attached to it, it's probably well over 100 pages. Uh, most investors, when they see this document, they're a little bit overwhelmed, as you might, as you might imagine. Um, so knowing the different parts of it um, and seeing them over and over again will give you uh, a leg up on confidently and intelligently investing in these types of deals. And once you've seen one, you've probably seen them all to a certain extent, at least is how they're laid out. Um, so again, it's a private placement memorandum. It's one of three legal documents that you'll either need to or have your attorney review um, or, and the other numbers on this page, 12 and 13 are the other two documents, subscription agreement and the operating agreement. They're actually three separate documents, but a lot of times the SA and the OA are attached to the PPM as an exhibit. So what, what is a PPM? It's a disclosure document, it's plain and simple. Um, is it required? Technically and legally, it, it's not. Um, but you know, to save you uh, during a capital raise and for all intents and purposes, to, to me as an attorney, it, it's required. And if you're raising outside capital for a deal, you need to protect yourself and this is how you do it. Um, you know, We live in the United States, so it's a litigious society. So everyone looks for any kind of an angle um, to, to get some money. Uh, there's a few attorneys on here I know. So, You've, you've got to CYA, and the way you do that is by drafting and creating a PPM for any, any deal where you're raising capital or dealing with securities. So plain and simple, it's a disclosure document. It tells your potential investors exactly what they're getting themselves into. So and those sections were provided in the previous slide as far as um, you know, descriptions of what they are, are exactly investing into. So first of all, You've got the summary of the offering. That's actually going to be a summary of all the different parts um, that we're going to go through. Um, it should be maybe one to, let's say, three or four pages of just the, uh, the high-level terms of the deal, the minimum investments, the equity splits, distributions, the fees, the timeline, when do you get paid, those sorts of things. Um, and then we go in, and then basically after the summary, you're going to go through all the different sections that the summary list, but in greater detail. So the first of those sections is probably going to be the offering. What is the offering? What are you offering your investors or as a past investor, what are you going to get yourself into here? So, you know, what's the amount of equity offered or is there going to be a 70-30 split? 70% goes to, you know, the past investors and 30 um, to the active investors or, you know, how is it going to be divvied up? The price per unit, um, is this structured in a 506B versus a 506C structure? Um, a lot of that. Um, determines whether or not you need to be an accredited investor to be able to even in, invest in this type of deal. So very important stuff here. Use of funds. So, you know, where are your fund coupons going? Like this, it costs a lot of money to get into a lot of these deals from the passive side. Um, you know, your minimum investment might be $50,000 or $100,000 or a million dollars. 
Um, sometimes we see them as low as I've seen them as low as ten thousand uh, dollars from a single single one that's not necessarily on like you know equity multiple platform or one of the online platforms. Um, so it costs a lot of money to get involved with these types of deals. So you need to know you know what are these funds being used to used for. Typically, the it's going to be used for the down payment. It's going to be used to pay fees for the sponsor. Um, it's going to pay closing costs, due diligence costs while um, you're in the underwriting process. Um, and capital improvements are a big thing too. So once we close on the property, um, you know, what are we going to do to improve the property? Are we, going to, are we going to renovate all the units? Are we going to bring in more expensive property management? Are we going to add units? It depends on the type of property, what that might look like. Um, also in the PPM, you're going to learn about the company itself. Um, you know, what is the business structure? And a lot of this gets lost because a lot of these syndications nowadays, there's tons of sponsors or general partners or syndicators involved with a deal. Um, it used to be, you know, two to four people are partnering on the deal and then you bring in your passive investors. Um, mm -hmm. Nowadays, you might see five, six, seven, and 10, hopefully not that many because you start getting into some, some legal issues there. Um, but a lot of times you will see, um, you need to dive into this section to see exactly, you know, who's in charge, how it's structured. Is it an LLC? Is it a limited partnership? Um, you know, is there a joint venture involved at some level? Um, is there a 1031 exchanger coming in? Um, who exactly is the manager? And that kind of rolls over into the next slide, which is the management. I mean, who is in charge? Um, you know, you might be talking to one sponsor, one person that has a very small part of the general partnership or the GP, but maybe they're not ultimately the decision maker. And you need to figure out who that is um, to see if they have the uh, you know, the requisite experience that you're looking for, um, track record, that sort of thing. The business plan. So this is really important. A lot of this stuff gets brushed aside, but, you know, what is the business plan? What happens after closing? Everybody always focuses on getting the deal closed, but after closing, you know, what's, what's the plan? Is it, a, is it a development deal where passive investors won't see cash flow for years? Is it a light value add deal, just cosmetic, um, just optimizing the management, something like that? Or is there, you know, heavy value potentially more risk and more capital improvements, structural issues, low occupancy, you know, that sort of thing. Um, other things to look out for, you know, will there be a cost segregation study? Um, what, what's, what are the tax strategies that are going to be used for, um, for optimizing the property? Is there going to be a refinance? Uh, what are the exit strategies? You know, all these sorts of things go into the business plan. And that should all be laid out in the PPM just so from the active side, you need to you need to disclose what you're planning on doing with the property. And from the passive side, you need to know what you're getting yourself into from an investment perspective. Um, other things to look out for, you know, it could be a different strategy, like something that might be a little bit more risky, like a like an asset conversion. I mean, changing a hotel, you've heard of folks doing this lately where they change a hotel or an office building over into a multifamily property. Um, something like that, rather than just buying a, an existing multifamily property, you just need to be aware of, you know, what that business plan is and ask yourself, does this plan make sense for this particular property in this particular market and with this, this particular team? And a lot of times you also see um, the offering memorandum or the marketing materials attached to this section or as an, another exhibit, um, which is kind of just a uh, just a reference to the business plan because a lot of times the offering memorandum is the business plan. Fees. I mean, what are you paying? So sponsors need to get paid. Who's getting paid? What? 
you need to ask yourself, you know, do the interests of the past investors and the sponsors align? And the more they align, the better, in my opinion, and the more that people are properly motivated to perform their duties the best way. So, you know, you need to look into that, see what, what fees are actually getting paid, who's getting them. Typical fees in these types of deals, they're listed there, the acquisition fee, the AMP, guarantee fee. Um, sometimes you'll see a construction management fee if there's a lot of uh, value add. Um, you might see a, a small fee on a refinancing or even on the sale as well. And just a note, you know, fees, uh, people always think about fees as kind of a bad thing, at least from the passive perspective, but fees are not necessarily bad for passive investors. I mean, sponsors have to get paid for doing all this work and they have to be properly motivated for this property to succeed. So don't just, from the passive side, don't just look at fees and say, oh, this is bad. Less fees are better. They do affect returns, but if there are no fees or really, really low fees, and the sponsors aren't properly motivated, maybe they just want to get that acquisition fee at closing. And because they're not motivated, they're going to move on to the next deal. And they're not going to put the time and energy and effort into the deal that you invested in because they're not getting, you know, a proper asset management fee or, you know, proper alignment of interests. Back on to distribution. So, you know, how do you get paid, right? Like you need to figure out how you get paid. So you'll see you know, your different returns, you might see, hey, you're going to get a 6% preferred return, then there's going to be a 70-30 split, um, you know, that sort of thing. And you just need to figure it, but it gets more complicated. And that's why you really need to read this document and also read it again uh, when it's listed in the operating agreement, because there's different ways to structure it. Maybe you get that preferred return off the top, like you're as a passive investor, let's say you get a 6% preferred return, um, which is supposed to go to a 70-30 split. But maybe there's a catch-up involved. And if there's a catch-up involved, there's probably going to be another step before you get to that 70-30 split. So there might be a preferred return. And then there's a catch-up where the sponsors get 100% of the returns until they're caught up with your preferred return. And then it goes to the 70-30 split. A lot of times, that's not really apparent unless you really dive into the document and you either figure it out yourself or maybe you have an attorney look at it, or you just ask the sponsors directly, hey, is there a catch-up provision? Hey, is there a clawback provision? All these different things that you just kind of need to know to ask um, before you get into a deal. Risk factors, this will actually take up the largest portion uh, physically of the document. And unfortunately, it's kind of become, it's kind of become somewhat ridiculous because it's, it starts defeating the purpose to a certain extent as to why we put this in here in the originally, um, you know, it, it just starts listing all the real estate risks, the finance risks, the pandemic risks, construction, um, economic, company, uh, geographical risks, all these different things. And now it's become in this document, let's say 10, 15, 20 pages long, where you just list every, everything that could ever possibly go wrong with this property will be listed, which to me kind of defeats the purpose of the of, the the idea behind this, which is to let investors know these are kind of the things that we've identified that make this property, you know, a little bit risky or could could if something changes, it could affect this property in this way. But now we've just got to the point where we list, you know, 10, 15 pages of risks. So for the for every single property. Um, investors, excuse me, suitability and qualification, you know, are you qualified to invest. Um, and a lot of it always depends, well, a lot of it sometimes depends on whether you, whether the sponsors use the five, what's called a 506B or 506C 
exemption, um, whether or not you need to be accredited uh, to invest. Um, and if anybody doesn't know what that means, just feel free to, to ask afterwards. We can kind of jump into that. And there are some rules getting floated around right now by the SEC that's going to change that. Um, typically, the financial hurdles are 200, you've made $200,000 over the last few years with a reasonable expectation of the same, or you have a net worth of a million dollars not including the equity in the home that you live in. Um, that's very likely to change soon. They're gonna increase those financial hurdles, but along with that, they're also going to allow folks to test into being an accredited investor, maybe by taking a class and then taking a test and then they're accredited. So we'll, we'll see what, when those rules come out, what they say. Um, simple enough here, instructions to invest. Um, typically towards the end, it'll just tell you what you need to do to invest, which is, Signing the subscription agreement, um, getting into the investor portal, um, you know, sign, may potentially signing the operating agreement, depending on how it's structured, and then how to actually fund the deal, whether that's through a wire or tech or ACH. And again, the subscription agreement and the operating agreement are separate documents, but they are always attached as exhibits to the PPM. Um, the subscription agreement is actually, you know, it's where you to put your money where your mouth is. It's it's the actual binding legal document that you are committing to invest this much money for this many units or this many shares in this LLC um, at this price. And what it actually does is binds you to the operating agreement. The operating agreement, a lot of you guys already know what that is. Um, it's the same thing here. It's just the operating agreement of um, the partnership, if it's a partnership, partnership agreement, or the LLC operating agreement. Um, same thing here. It's just the same. And but the thing is with this, you have the PPM and you have the operating agreement. The PPM is, should be written for the most part in plain language, and it's just disclosing in all the different parts of the investment and what you're getting yourself into. Whereas the operating agreement is going to be written in everybody's favorite language, legalese. Um, but at the end of the day, the operating agreement is actually the controlling agreement. So if there's any discrepancy between the PPM and the operating agreement, the operating agreement will rule. So that's why even when you're going through the PPM, take it with a grain of salt, because at the end of the day, whatever the operating agreement says is, is what rules the day. So you'll have to make sure you go through that. There's certain things you need to pay attention to there as well, especially things like the capital, if there's a capital call, um, you know, distribution fees we already talked about, liquidity, is it liquid? Probably not. Um, and voting rights, you know, what do you as a past investor have the ability to vote on? Probably not much, but there may be a provision where you can vote the manager out, maybe by a majority vote or a super majority vote, more than likely. Um, something That's something really important to look for is if it's being mismanaged, how can you get that manager out? And that's really what you're going to look for with the voting rights. And that's just about all I have for this uh, quick presentation. Um, I did want to talk about kind of, uh, you know, the bad beats. So really, where did I have those notes at? Um, we had a situation here uh, where we had a syndicated, syndicated deal. Um, one of the partners that was a partner on, you know, a syndicator, um, a GP on this deal, also part of the management company. Um, he was just being a pain in the ass, to be honest with you. Being a pain in the ass. We're on these calls. Lots of friction. You know, he's trying to force us to pay him certain fees in advance, like all these just ridiculous things. And I think it came down to him just being in trouble um, financially. Um, so he was getting a lot of pressure, outside pressure about that. 
Um, but he got to the point where he's like, I need my fee and I don't want to participate in this partnership any longer. And it's just creating this massive friction. And we have investors in this deal and we're like, this is just not going to work. I mean, this is the beginning of the deal. You know, this is a five to seven year, maybe even a 10 year hold. This is a really high cash flowing property. And that's when, you know, the operating agreement really came into play. We really had to get into the PPM to see what we've already disclosed, the risks as far as um, to the past investors. And then we had to get in the operating agreement to see how we can get rid of this guy. Um, and also from his perspective, how he can get out um, the right way and fairly. So you get in the operating agreement, you look at the assignment provisions, you look at the transfer provisions, you look at the withdrawal provisions, and you figure out how can we get this guy out fairly and pay him what he deserves, but nothing more. Um, so we, we had to do that. Um, we solved it amicably, luckily. Um, but that's just, you know, one of the, the things that you need to think about when you're either drafting or having your attorney draft your operating agreement, whether you're talking about a syndication or you're talking about any sort of partnership or anybody you're getting into business with, you know, think about the worst case scenarios. Think about if you don't like this person any longer, how are you going to be able to get out of this or how are they going to be able to get out of this? in a fair way. How are those shares going to be valued? Um, and it's just a really important lesson because, you know, at first, this guy, I really looked up to him because of his industry-specific knowledge. Um, and I thought we were going to have a great partnership. All is great until it's not. And when it's not, you fall back on the legal documents. And that's why they're so important. And here's just some of the links that um, you can check out. I've got uh, my email there, if you want to reach out to me uh, for passive investors, I have a coaching program, passiveincomepro.io. Um, we've already got a number of people already signed up for the first cohort next month. And then syndication shop is going to be for um, active investors that want to start a fund, um, an economical solution. Um, and then obviously the podcast that we already mentioned earlier.